Welcome to the Raw and Uncensored Ambitious Podcast. During our time here together, I will be instilling all of the strength, power, and determination you will need to use the very stones thrown at you to build your ultimate empire. We will redefine the word bitch from the derogatory to the acronym being in total control of herself. So let's adjust our crowns and prepare to live life ambitiously. Uh, yeah, here I am, the original HBIC, Katie motherfucking Boyd. And on today's episode of The Ambitious Podcast, we are going to be talking about reclaiming your magic by healing the sister wound. Oh, yeah. This is a fucking serious, serious subject. And I have been, all kinds of shiznit has been coming up for me over the last couple months. And it has really come to a full blown culmination in the past like two weeks. And I'm going to, I'm going to be really vulnerable today with you guys. I'm going to be raw and honest. Not that I'm not always vulnerable, raw, and honest with you, but I am like bringing the fury today. But before we start the podcast, I just want to remind everybody that like, I'm here for you, bitch. Okay. Wherever you are through space and time, Katie motherfucking Boyd is here for you. And that is why we have created two things. One is our ambitious clarity calls. Why did we create these? And what are they? Well, I created them because I get hundreds of DMs and emails and messages on my app about how to actually work with me. Like, what is the best way for us to work together? Whether it's in a group coaching session or a one-on-one situation or a VIB day or, and I have a plethora of other ways, you know, to work with me, but my biggest mission is to help women find their magic, and remember who the fuck that they are in any way, shape, and form that I can help them do that. And it's really difficult for me to answer everyone's messages, even though I fucking read them all. I love, 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 love when people DM me on Instagram. I just love to have, I actually like to make social media social. I mean, that's what it's actually for, but it's difficult for me to really answer everyone's questions like back and forth, back and forth. I just don't have that time availability in my schedule every day. So I created these free clarity calls. You can DM me on Instagram if you want. If you want me to send you the link, you can also get the link over on the Ambitious uh, uh, app itself. Um, So that's one way that we can have a serious conversation to make sure like if you're desiring to do Ambitious Academy, like that it's the right fit for you. Or if you're thinking about doing a one-on-one healing session or a business coaching session, I want to make sure it's the right fit for not only you, but also me. Because when I work with anyone, it has to feel aligned and it has to resonate with who I am and where I'm going. And it's not just about what you're getting out of it. I actually selfishly you know, I desire to have fun and feel good when I'm coaching my clients and I'm mentoring and I'm educating, empowering, and also entertaining. So if you want, just reach out to me. You can email me at hello at kbmfc.com. I can send you the link. You can DM me on Instagram. 
you can reach out to me on the Ambitious app. And the link to book your Clarity Call, if you just, I don't know where you're listening to this podcast, but the link to book your Clarity Call is in, also in the show notes. So if you just scroll down into this show and check out the show notes, that is where you can book your free Clarity Call with me. And it's with me, guys. It's not with an employee of mine. It's actually with me. So you will get me live in real life on the phone. And we can go over all of your hopes, dreams, goals, desires, and aspirations on you liberating yourself and remembering who the fuck you are and why you came here so that you can live the rest of your life, the best of your life, and live life ambitiously. And my second thing that I'd like to just chat quickly about is Ambitious Academy. Ambitious Academy is open for enrollment. That means that you can sign up for Ambitious Academy whenever you desire. It's not like a once a year sign up thing. So if you are like, okay, I know that Ambitious Academy is for me, you can go to the show notes. You can also go to ambitiousacademy.com and sign up there. There's two ways to pay. You can pay monthly or you can pay in one lump sum. And like I said, I want to make sure that it is a right fit for you. So if you're still on the fence, hop on a clarity call with me and let's make sure that it works for both of us. Okay. Reclaiming your magic and healing the sister wound. So if you're a woman, you have experienced the deep cut of a sister wound. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you come from. I don't care if you have really amazing relationships with women. I'm sure that you have the sister wound, okay? Sometimes the mother wound and sometimes the witch wound doesn't really resonate with people, but I feel like across the globe, the sister wound is not only a singular experience, but it's a collective female energy experience as well. And when I start talking about this, you're going to be like, oh, this is what it's called. It's called the sister wound. You may have not had a name for it before you listen to the Ambitious Podcast, but I'm going to break it down you know, to you. I'm going to talk about how we got here in the first place. We're going to kind of go deep into some ancestral stuff. I am going to talk all about what the witch wound, the witch wound here. I'm going to have witch on the mind. What the sister wound shows up as in like everyday life and how to heal it and why it's important to heal it. Okay. So get on your rubber undies because it's going to be a slippy, slidey, ridey. And I promise you by the end of this, you're going to feel all the feels. I'm going to talk about a lot of ways that the, that the sister wound has showed up for me in my life. And I'm going to talk about some of the ways it has been showing up most recently, which has been eye-opening and also devastating in a lot of ways. But I feel as a leader that when you show up and you're vulnerable and you speak your truth and you're authentic, that you do the world a great service and it helps you heal. So every time that you talk about your shit as a leader, it helps you heal deeper. And I also think that the best leaders also, you know, they don't share everything because some things have to be sacred, right? You have to protect yourself in some ways, but show up and be vulnerable, real and authentic and that just makes you the best role model for the women that you work with, right? So we have lived and still are living in a culture where women are pitted against one another, right? You don't need to look even outside of your home to experience it and see it. So think about it. We as women, right? We gather around the television. 
whether it's in a group, right? If you're watching like The Bachelorette or if you're, you know, like me and your like guilty pleasure is to watch like the real housewives of wherever they are from, right? New York City or New Jersey or the OC or Miami or wherever, that I always tell Matt, I'm like, that's my time where I can just like have a glass of wine and I can just like watch TV and space the fuck out and I don't have to use my brain. But I started realizing as I was doing this research, I'm like, oh my God, I'm actually contributing to the narrative of this sister wound by even watching this shit. I'm not going to say that I'm going to stop right now because <laughs> I, I love it, but I, I do remove myself from, from the sister wounding part of it. So, right, we, we're watching TV and we are watching a show where 30 women compete for the love and attention of one man, right? And listen, I'm not judging you and I'm not judging myself because some of my best friends in the world who I respect deeply as female leaders, they love this shit. They love it. They lap it up, right? Or, you know, we're watching ads on TV that tell you that if you buy this product, you will be a better mom, right? If you buy this more expensive paper towel, you will be a better homemaker, and you will actually be better than your next door neighbor who's a female. I know this sounds crazy, but it's true. Or we watch The Real Housewives and you see the women like, oh, we're sisters, we're best friends. We're like a group of like ladies just like living our best lives. And then you see them like backstabbing one another, uh, physically fighting with one another. They're uh, all after like one guy or they're like betraying each other, gossiping about each other, judging each other, right? We, we see it every day. And, you know, sometimes you'll see like out when you're out, like at a club, not that I go to clubs anymore, but I, I mean, I've done my fair share of fucking clubbing. Okay. Or you go to a restaurant. This happens to me all the time. You know, I live in Southern New Hampshire and I, I'm a bougie bitch and I love to dress up, but I dress up for myself and my husband. I don't dress up for other people. Okay. But I do like to look nice. It's just how I was raised. That's just who I am, right? So you walk into a restaurant and you're wearing like a beautiful dress and your hair is done, your makeup's done, and you look gorgeous. And then women literally look at you up and down from one side to the other. And they silently, right, start calculating if the stranger that they're looking at is in some way their competition. And that is ancestral. That is epigenetic. That is primordial. That is evolutionary. Okay. So we're hitting like a lot of beats on this podcast today that I'm going to really make you and I'm going to really try to draw you and tempt you to think outside the box here and also hold the mirror up to yourself. Because let me tell you something right now. I've had my own television show. Okay. I had my own television show called Wicked Fit. About 10 years ago, it was on Style Network and Bravo and E, and they used to want to pin me against other women on the show. They would want to pin my two best friends on the show against each other fighting over me. I mean, I was in the pageant industry for my whole entire life, right? And we all say, oh, like, we're all sisters. We're all in this together. But secretly, you know that you would love if the, another girl that you were competing against in swimsuits showed up fat that year or that, like something happened to them or, you know, their weave was really bad or their tan was really bad or their gown was really ugly because it would make, give you the competitive edge 
And if you win the pageant, for instance, you would be like the most coveted woman and that you would be liked and loved and enough and accepted, which absolutely none of that is true. That's why uh, in 2016, I resigned from the Miss USA, Miss Universe, and Miss America organizations because I could not keep contributing to this toxic narrative that was literally hurting women. And guess what? I also hurt women. I am not sitting here on my podcast today being like, I'm an angel. I have done horrible things to women. I've done horrible things to friends. I've done horrible things to classmates. I mean, we're going to talk about this today, but I've also had really horrible things done to me, which has made me not trust women, which has made me, you know, not get too close, right? I had a hairstylist years ago and he would always say to me, honey, be friendly, but not familiar. And I thought that he was a genius, but he was actually being toxic because isn't life about love and isn't life about sacred friendship? And isn't being a woman about being that goddess, that mother, that crone, that high priestess, that medicine woman? But we've been pulled apart by the patriarchy to say no, because they want to fucking control us because we're so fucking powerful. So let's talk about how we got here. Let's talk about how we got to this place of collective sister wounding. So remember, there used to be times when we were gathering together, right? probably, you know, uh, prehistoric to uh, pagan times, like right after and right around the time that Jesus walked the earth. So during these times, we were not putting each other down. Women ran the show. It was a very matriarchal society before the Piscean era started. The Piscean era, as we talk about in Ambitious the Book, began around the time that Jesus was crucified. Okay. Women ran the tribes. Women ran the family. Women ran the community. So for example, when back in pagan times and, you know, say, think of 2,500 years ago, give or take, the women would tell the tribe, okay, I'm going to tap into my intuition and I'm going to tell us as a community, as a tribe, where we're going to move to what land. Is there enough water on this land? Is there enough game to hunt on this land? Is the ground of this land going to be fertile so that we can plant crops and have health and wellness and abundance? And this is what women would do. And we were revered. We were idolized. We were loved and coveted. And when we'd menstruate, when we'd have our moon time, we would all go into the red tent or into that hut and we were, our bodies were celebrated and our wombs were celebrated and we would all bleed together and we would do our sacred rituals together. And it was a time where women would actually hold each other's energy or when we would give birth, the other women in the community, the other women in the tribe would take turns and they would feed the children. They would take care of the women's other children. They would be there as midwives and doulas helping birth these children who are new souls. Remember, your womb, our wombs as women are truly the doors to heaven. It is They are the doors to the divine. And 2,500 years ago and before that, 
we as a society knew this, right? Women would gather together. They would eat together at tables. They would gather in nature and they would create magical healing experiences. They would listen to one another. As I'm saying this, I feel like all the codes in my epigenetics right now are firing. Like if I'm speaking right now and you're getting goosebumps or you're feeling like tingles in your body, what I'm saying to you is triggering your ancestral goddess codes within your body, okay? So let that feeling wash over you and, and just welcome it. So we would go in the woods, right? We would, we would dance around the fire. We would, we would go into the woods and we would collect herbs and we would heal, right? And we would soothe and we would nurture and we would mother. And we would listen to each other and we would listen to each other's wisdom. So the elder women, the crones of our, of our tribes or our communities, they were revered, right? We, we looked at the elder woman as like, oh my God, she's so wise and she knows everything. And these women, these crone women and the, and the mother archetype would actually also pass down all this beautiful wisdom and these gorgeous stories and all of these like healing remedies and all these different things, right? And then women started in that time to become more powerful, more vocal. And they really were the change makers in their towns and their communities and their tribes. So what happened? What happened? So think about this, right? If you open social media right now and you search for the, like the latest shamed celebrity and you scroll to the comments, I guarantee a supporter of that person will say, this is a witch hunt. And this statement misrepresents what the actual witch hunts were. We are in a culture where politicians and celebrities and social figures are really starting to be held accountable for their actions and their words. But what were the witches of Europe and the early colonies being held accountable for? And like I said on my previous podcast, The Witch Wound, they were being held accountable, most of them, for being women and for daring greatly and for using their intuitions and being the magical, mystical, majestic, motherfucking gorgeous creatures that they were and we still are. And the things that, you know, I'm, I'm from Massachusetts, as you guys know, and the Salem witch trials feel very, very near and dear to me. I know for a fact I was a witch. I also have witch energy um, and my family were witches. I come from a long line of fitzetas in the Portugal, Portuguese community and the Portuguese ancestry. And we were the healers of our, of our tribes. We were the healers in our village. We were the, the nurse maids, right? We were the, the wet nurses. We were the healers. We would read the tea leaves, right? We would do all the things. And think about this. When you really talk about the witch trials, like what you, whatever the fucking propaganda that you learn in high school, you're really taught that they were a nasty little blight in history, right? And that those days of the witch hunt is long behind us. And maybe even just like my teachers, your teachers tied it into the collective fear of communism or talked about like group think. And then in doing so, they reinforced the message of the patriarchy and boiled the witch trials down to a story that fits the white male agenda and narrative, right? 
So what were the what were the witch trials really? The witch trials and the crusades, think about this. We're talking about 2500 years ago. So between the witch trials of like the you know the 14 to the 1800s during burning times and then let's go back 2500 years ago where most of the European world were pagans, right? They worshipped many gods. There wasn't one god, right? There wasn't a monotheistic god. They would have a god of the field. They would have a god of the sun. They would have a god of the moon or a goddess or whatever. And that's like what they truly believed in. I'm actually watching a show right now that my really good friend um, and soul sister Kelly Gallagher told me to watch a long time ago. And I just kept dragging my tits on the ground about it. And then I was like, hey, I'm going to really watch the show. And so Matt and I have been watching it and, and it's called Britannia. And I watch it, I think, on Amazon Prime, if I'm not mistaken. But it's all about the Druids and the pagans and then how, like, Rome came over to what is now, like, um, England. You know, it's called Britannia, right? So, like, England, Ireland, Scotland, and, like, all those, like, Germanic, Gaul um, surrounding areas. And how one of the guys who's, like, the main character, and he's the head of the Roman army, and he says... If you want to kill a people, don't kill the people, kill their gods. And that's how they started controlling us. And so much of paganism, which was the real start of, um, you know, witchcraft and Wicca and all of like these healing art type of pseudo religions, right, was abolished and tried to be stamped out by Catholicism and Christianity and it wasn't because, let's be honest, it wasn't because they really loved baby Jesus in a tuxedo t-shirt. They really wanted to control the narrative, right? They wanted to control the people. And even though in our minds in this day and age, we may think like this isn't still going on, but it is still going on, guys. It really is still going on. So think about this, right? The witch trials and 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 the crusades and when they were trying to stamp out paganism, thousands of years ago, they really wanted to stop women from growing and healing and gaining power together because women are very tribal and very group oriented. Just that's how we're genetically and, you know, evolutionarily wise, that's how we're made up. And remember when the power of women work together, it was super fucking frightening for men. And it was super fucking frightening for the toxic masculine. And remember that it really, um, you know, men in charge, it threatened to usurp the patriarchal structure that was keeping women powerless. And so women were killed and millions and millions and millions of women over the years have been murdered for being witches, for acting in covens, for being part of healing circles for being in their feminine power, for being healers, and just for being like badass bitches. And so women around this time stopped gathering. And the patriarchy really put a fucking damper and a half on those types of gatherings because they really believed that these gatherings were dangerous dangerous to their history. I'm talking about white, white, mostly white men and anything associated with it. 
And still to this day, let's be fucking honest. Still to this day, like when I have like a goddess gathering or some kind of thing, like I have male friends that will be like, oh, is the coven gathering or, oh, are the witches gathering or like, oh, are you going to like burn the men at the stake? And I know it's like a joke, but that's like a deeply rooted epigenetic ancestral wound that these men are also carrying because it, no matter who you are as a man, you could be like the coolest, most divine man on the face of the earth, but still inside of you, it makes you feel some sort of way when women come together and we collectively bring our power sources together. And it's not, and it's no one's fault except our ancestry and what has happened during these old times. And what's really sad is women have had their sisterhood or what we call in, in bitches, we call it the bitchterhood. We've really had it stolen from us. And by branding the gathering of women as a dangerous act, we have been conditioned to believe what the patriarchy wants us to think, that other women are dangerous, other women are competition, and other women are unreliable. They're betrayers. They can't be trusted. They're shifty. They're like snakes in the grass. So by reclaiming our right to sit with other women and by stepping into our power to be open to having deep connection with other women, by opening ourselves up to the crone energy of the wise older woman who can teach the younger generation so much truth and so much wisdom and has so much knowledge to bestow upon us, we take back our power and we step into that reclamation and we're able to heal and truly, like I said, reclaim so much of what the sister wound has taken from us. So what is the sister wound? Okay. The sister wound, like simply put, right? It's a pain. It's a distrust or a dis-ease that many women feel when relating to other women. So jealousy, insecurity, cattiness, comparison, fear. These are all ways that the sister wound manifests itself into relationships with other women. Instead of viewing the other woman as a sister, we see her as an enemy. We see her as competition. We actually, at the end of the day, we see her as a source of harm and someone who is going to take from us. And this sense of alienation is designed by the patriarchal society to keep women small and fighting each other rather than fighting a larger system of inequality and oppression. They even do this to us, right? The, the patriarchy is like, oh, well, you know, this woman of color and this is a white woman. And like, we should only shop at women of colors, you know, places of business. No, we should all, I don't care what color you are. We should be fucking supporting each other no matter what. Okay. If you identify as a woman or if you got a pussy, we, we should be hooking each other up. I'm sorry. It's just the truth. But what do we do? We don't want to help other women make more money, create more wealth, create more abundance, create more affluence. Cause why? Then that means that we're less than, and they're better than us. And where did this come from? Motherfuckers, the sister wound of the patriarchy that they have put upon us and the, and the toxic masculine, right? So Think about it. We feel like we need to compete with other women for jobs, for positions of power. We have to compete with women for other men. 
And we are so focused on these fights that we have no energy left to battle the bigger enemy. We don't even have the energy to see the bigger enemy because we're just at the end of the day, we're all just burnt out bitches because we're fucking from the moment we get up. We're like, hey, got to get that paper. Got to make this girl feel less than. Oh, we can't talk to her anymore because she isn't you know, raising her children right. It's like, no, fuck that shit. And this type of infighting has become so common that for many women, it almost feels like a rite of passage, right? Middle school and high school is the place where you learn to judge other women for their bodies, for how they are are or are not sexual beings in the world, for how they talk, for how they dress, for how they walk, for who they hang out with. And for some of us, these lessons in, in cutting other women down were prevalent even earlier in life. You know, I, like I said before, I've been in the pageant industry since I was a young girl. And I think about it, you know, like I competed with women from a very, very young age. And instead of going in there and just competing against myself, I would always be like, okay, who's showing up to the pageant? Okay. How can I be better than them? How can I like, you know, attack their weaknesses and make the, the parts of me that aren't weak like them stronger, right? Like what the fuck? What the actual fuck? Like when you watch that movie Mean Girls, which is like a cult classic, like everybody loves Mean Girls. That's real shit, dude. Like you might laugh and watch it and be like, oh my God, this is hilarious. And you might quote it and all this shit. But at the end of the day, that's sister wound. That movie is all about sister wounding. Everything about that movie is sister wounding, right? So one of the clearest ways that the sister wound actually manifests itself is in the language women use against other women, right? We take words, and this is what, oh, I just got chills. My nipples are so fucking hard right now. This is what in bitches is all about. I had a client the other day that came to me and they were saying, um, they were saying, uh, oh, my boyfriend had like a really hard time with the word bitch and he hates the word bitch and he hates ambitious and he just doesn't like it. And I'm like, okay, first of all, fuck him and the fucking horse that he rode in on. Because this is about us as the divine feminine taking our fucking power back from the patriarchy in the first place who actually created the word bitch to fucking shame us, to make us less than, to make us not enough. And you have the fucking audacity to have even an opinion on this? Like, no. Now, obviously, I know this woman intimately and I know her boyfriend intimately and they are both lovely people. So I'm not talking shit about them because now he absolutely loves ambitious. He loves everything it stands for. He understands like what I'm trying to accomplish and what I am accomplishing. But think about it. These words, right? That were actually created by the motherfucking patriarchy. We use them against other women to make them feel small, to make them feel less than. And we wield these weapons, these verbal weapons against other women. Okay. So if you've ever said these words to another woman or about another woman, either to their face or behind their back, this is sister wounding. If you've called them a slut, if you've called them a whore, if you call them a cunt, yes, I said that on, on my podcast. I don't give a fuck because people use the word. They call you a bitch. We use terms like this that have been created by a system that does not honor or respect women. And then we hurl them at one another and we think that we are the ones with the power. I mean, are you fucking kidding me? Like, it's freaking crazy. Crazy. So here's other ways that the, that the sister wound shows up. So think about this. 
you are a female and you're going out to dinner with a bunch of your girlfriends and you walk in and you're like, so you think you look so cute, right? You're like, I did, I did, I got my hair did, I got my nails done, I got a spray tan, my tits are high and tight, I, my ass is, my booty's popping, right? And you sit down and, and a girl goes, oh my God, Ugh, Katie, I could never dress like that. You are so brave and so courageous to wear a dress like that. I wish I could dress like that. So in your mind, you're like, oh my God, she thinks I'm like a fashionista, but really she's jealous of you and she's hating on you because she actually doesn't have the, the fucking labia lips of steel to dress like that and to put herself out there. And in that same vein, she's keeping herself small, which is what the motherfucking toxic masculine and the patriarchy wants. Because if we keep fighting in between ourselves, then these motherfuckers can just go to the bank and control. They can control our reproductive systems. They can control, you know, what, what we're doing with our children, right? Fuck that noise. We as women have to get our fucking power back. We have to remember who the fuck we are. Okay. Remember I said on the last podcast, we are the fucking daughters of the witches that they couldn't burn. So if you've made it this fucking far, you all have a mission here. You have an ambitious mission to take the power back, take the power back of your pussy, take the power back of your reproductive organs, take the power back of your tits, take the power back of your fucking medical body, take the power back on how your children are being raised and how your children are being schooled and what you're putting into their fucking bodies or not putting into their bodies. The Dalai Lama once said, the world will be saved by the Western woman. And that was like 10, 15 years ago. And I believe that the time has come for all of us collectively as the divine feminine on this earth to stand up and put this shit to sleep once and for all. Like how dare old men, and I'm not just talking about white men because this is not just white men. It is men of every color, every ethnicity, and every nationality that are in the, in the toxic masculine. Like if you don't have a fucking womb, don't tell me what the fuck to do with mine. Okay. If you don't have a vagina or titties, don't tell me what the fuck to do with mine. If you haven't popped a kid out of your vagina. Okay. I don't know why I'm saying it like that, but I just, I like it. Vagina. Don't tell me what to do with my fucking children. Yes, of course, if you're in a heterosexual loving relationship, of course, is your husband and you going to make decisions or is your, if you're in a homosexual relationship, are you and your wife, are you and your husband, if you're gay, going to make these decisions for your children? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, we are the most powerful when it comes to our own bodies and rearing our children. Now, are there are there problems to every rule? Yes, of course. So don't at me like, oh, well, you don't understand because my life, I don't, I'm, t- this is a general conversation that I'm trying to wake up the masses. Uh, so I'm not going to single out your like oddball situation that's going on. So if you're, if you email me at like bullshit, I'm just going to fucking, I'm going to delete it. I really don't care. So think about it. How we're showing up for the other woman, right? You have a friend that has really big tits and she wears her titties out. I have massive jugs, okay? And it's really hard to find clothes for my titties even when I'm really thin 
because my titties are so big and everything I look like everything I wear, I look like a fucking porn star or I look like a school mom. Cause you're either trying like just to shift them up and make them cute. Or you're like putting them down, like into like fucking duct tape so that you don't, don't look like Jenna Jameson. And either way you're fucked because that's also the patriarchy, right? You should just show up how you want to show up, but you show up at like, you know, uh, a dinner party at your friend's house. And she's like, oh my God, look at those big old titties. Like, and she starts making fun of your boobs. And then everyone's like, oh my God, looking at your boobs. Um, one time I'll tell you a fucking story that when I was creating, uh, the notes for my podcast, I was like, just thinking about all the time, times that I've had sister wounds and I'll never forget. Um, I had this really good friend, Kim, her name was Kimmy actually. And I was friends with her like in the early 2000s and she was a fucking babe. Okay. This girl was like a goddess. She just was so beautiful. Like her body was amazing. And she was, I, I loved this girl. Okay. And she was like friends with a mutual friend of mine. And we used to always like go out and party together. Um, we would go to like the beach together. We just were like, we just were like a really close. Okay. And she was dating this guy who was fucking scumbag. Okay. And he got her pregnant and they were just dating for like a very brief time. And I was like, Oh fuck, here we go. Right. And so we went to the beach and we were at this, like, it was kind of like a club, like on the beach in Newport, Rhode Island. It was called the ABC club. Okay. Atlantic beach club. And we were like partying, listening to music. There was like a DJ, we were drinking. And she obviously was sober, right? She's like massively pregnant. I think she was like seven or eight months pregnant. And, um, and it was like me and my friend, other girlfriend and her, the boyfriend. And we were all like kind of in a circle, like just shooting the shit, talking, having drinks. And I had like my bikini on. And at the time, like I was really thin. Like I was like a size zero. I was shredded. And I always have had stretch marks on my boobs. It happened to me when I was really, really young. Like when my titties started forming and they just grew so fast. <laughs> they were like the opposite of shrinky dinks, right? And I got stretch marks in my boobs. And I never thought like stretch marks were a problem because I like everybody I know has stretch marks somewhere, right? So her boyfriend was like talking to me and we were like having a good conversation. I was not flirting with him. He was not my fucking type and I would never covet a, another woman's man. That's just not my style. And she was, I could tell she was like getting jealous. And I kept kind of like trying to redirect the conversation because I could tell like she was feeling insecure. You know, she's pregnant. It's fucking in the middle of summer. She can't drink. Now her man is like flirting with me. And she says so fucking loud in front of all of my friends standing. She's like, oh my God, Katie, I never noticed how many stretch marks do you have on your tits? And like, you know, when someone says something to you and you like, don't even like, you're like, is this fucking really happening to me? Or am I in the fucking twilight zone? And I was like so embarrassed and I like went into the bathroom and I was like crying my fucking eyes out. I was just like horrified and I just like loved her so much. I just thought she was like the nicest person. I actually thought she was like my friend. And I know that this is because she was insecure. Like I can go back and like psychologically analyze everything she said to me that day and and know like this wasn't me. It was her and this was her own shit and blah, 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 blah. But it doesn't make it any less real for me that I was so embarrassed in that moment because no one had ever really like that called me out on my shit. Right. And I remember going in the bathroom crying and I just like got in my car and left and I never, ever, ever, ever spoke to her again. And I, and she kept trying to like through this other mutual friend, like apologize to me. And I was just like so angry with her that she would fucking embarrass me like that. 
and talk shit about a part of my body that I literally cannot change. And that just happened to me because I grew really fast when I was younger. But that is what the sister wound looks like in action. And guess what? All the men, they're like, oh, the girls are getting heated. Oh, the girls are going at it. Oh, look at they're acting like little catty bitches. Or do you ever remember like being in, um, you know, middle school where everybody started getting their periods, right? Like say like sixth, seventh, eighth grade. And when everyone started getting their periods and there was like that one poor girl that like her parents like never really taught her about menstruation, right? And she like bled on the seat. You know, she'd be like bled through her little pad, right? And instead of being like, as a group of young women, we could have been taught by our mothers and our grandmothers, like if a woman bleeds and she bleeds through her pants or she bleeds through her skirt, you surround her, you take her to the bathroom, you hush your fucking mouth and you get her cleaned up and you return back to life as normal. No, you know what we were taught to do? To make fun of that girl, to call her her all kinds of fucking names, right? I remember like it happening to girls in middle school and like, you know, us throwing like tampons at her or like making fun of her, like nicknaming her certain things, you know? And I think about that now and I'm like, oh my God, I partook in that sister wounding to this girl or, or girls in general, because that wasn't the only one, what didn't just happen to one person, right? Think about back in middle school days or even high school days when, you know, you're just getting your fucking delicious bagel pizza and your French fries, because that's what we used to eat and think it was healthy. (laughs) And you got your little tray with your little carton of chocolate milk and you're walking over to the place where you sit every day and have lunch with your friends. I'm using my quotation fingers. And they say, sorry, you can't sit with us anymore. We don't like you. Go find another table. You're a loser. You're telling me that that doesn't psychologically, energetically, spiritually damage you as a child? Like, fuck yes, it does. Absolutely. And think about the way it shows up as adults, right? Um, We have a, a friend that maybe is going through a really tumultuous time in her relationship with her husband. And she's just too drama. She's just too much drama. So we as a friend group kind of like isolate her and we turn our backs on her instead of like surrounding her and lifting her up with our love and our understanding of the male figure. No, but we, what do we do? Oh, you're just too much for me. You're just a fucking drama queen. Like I can't, right? We label them and then we isolate them. And then we wonder why we as women don't fucking trust other women and why we don't want to divulge our innermost secrets. I have people that have told me, like, you're just so standoffish. Like, I want to get to know you, but like, you just don't open up. And I'm like, bitch, I've been hurt. Like, I have been fucking wounded by women. So excuse me if I'm a little trepidatious and leery about letting you in because I'm using my intuition with you and I feel some sort of way. Or maybe it's not that I have, not that I'm using my intuition, but I'm just like so fucking damaged from the sister wounding over the years that I just, I'm like, no new friends, no new friends, no new, 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 new. You know what I'm saying? Uh, It happens when the boys start checking the girls out, like in elementary school and middle school, right? Like there's a couple cute boys in your class and then all the girls are like fucking fighting over them. 
When I was in sixth grade, I went to a Catholic school and I used to date this boy. I don't date anybody. We just had like a little like crush on each other. And we called each other like boyfriend and girlfriend. And we just like passed notes back and forth to each other. And one other girl in the class liked him. And this other girl was a really close friend of mine. And her and this other really close friend of mine, one day in the lunchroom, jumped me and tried beating the shit out of me. Little did they know that I was a sick fuck and I had a lot of childhood childhood trauma that was just ready to fucking burst out. <laughs> I literally gouged one of these girls' eyeballs out. I was beating the fuck out of them. They were like banging my head into the, like, the locker room. I mean, you could ask anybody that was like there that day. I think a lot of the people who I went to school with when I was younger and are listening to this podcast like, oh, I remember that day. And I remember that day like vividly vividly. And you know what? I get kicked out of school and these bitches jumped me and I got kicked out of school and I ended up having to go to another school, you know? And then the, like the big rumor around my new school was like, that I was like a gangster, you know? And I was like, dude, I was just eating my fucking, eating my goddamn vegetable soup from my thermos. And these bitches jumped me. I was just trying to enjoy a delicious handy snack and a small bag of cool ranch Doritos and these bitches jumped me. What the fuck? And my principal who kicked me out of school was a woman. So you don't think that that wounded me too, right? And another way that it's been showing up a lot, a lot, especially in the last two years, is we as women judging other women for what we as women are doing with our own children. You know, with, with the Rona, it's like, Oh, she's masking her ch children. Oh, she's not masking her children. Oh, that's child abuse. Oh, no, that's child abuse. Oh, she's vaccinating her children. She's not vaccinating her children. Oh, that's child abuse. That's child abuse, right? Oh, she's homeschooling her kids. Oh, she's not homeschooling her kids. Oh, that's child abuse. No, that's child abuse, right? Listen, don't you think that, and I don't care what you think about the Rona, but I'm talking about the energy that has been created over the past, you know, two, two years with this whole divisionary situation that we're all enduring and that we've all experienced. Don't you think the people that are higher up in power love to watch us as women fuck each other up and judge the shit out of each other and condemn one another and throw stones into others' glass houses? They love it. And you know who loves it the most? The motherfucking toxic patriarchy. That's who loves it the most. So we are literally fulfilling their hot oil wrestling in a blow-up pool fantasies. But we're just doing it on social media. Come on, guys. Cut the shit. Whatever you do with your child is your fucking business. Okay? That's how I feel. Whatever you do with your body. That's your fucking business. You don't see men going on there and be like, oh my God, that's child abuse, what you're doing. It's only women to women. Why is this? We are just perpetuating this vicious fucking cycle. Gossiping about other women. Just stop. I have a whole chapter in, in Evicious the Book. If you haven't picked up my book yet, go to kbrc.com and get Evicious the Book. And there's a whole fucking chapter about gossip. Gossip. Like I was talking about before, we use the words that were created by the patriarchy. We slut shame women. Listen, our bodies were made 
to have pleasure. If we weren't supposed to have pleasure, God would not have made our bodies with all these bells and whistles that feel so fucking good when they're touched. Okay? So when you're like, oh my God, she's a slut. Or even the opposite, calling someone a prude. You don't know what they've gone through in their life, why they are the way that they are. Stop doing this to each other. Stop ostracizing each other. Stop ganging up on one another. Stop using each other. Stop usurping and appropriating each other's ideas. You know, I have some so many amazing ideas and I have so many clients that I business coach that have so many amazing ideas. Like, do you know how many clients of mine have taken ideas of mine and just like usurped them and appropriated them and like made them their own? So many. I could name 50 fucking people off the top of my head. Whatever. I don't care because guess what? In the end, I'm Katie motherfucking Boyd. I'm a rich bitch and I always win. I always win. And you know why I win? Because I give love and I show up and I get, and I'm of service and I'm of value and I'm empowering and I'm motivating and inspirational and entertaining. And that's how I show up every day. But they do it. Women do it to each other all the fucking time. Uh, we gaslight each other. We make, so gaslighting, if you haven't, if you don't know what gaslighting is, go back to my gaslighting narcissist podcast is one of the earlier ambitious podcasts. But we gaslight each other. I had a, a, a doctor. So I've been going through some fertility stuff for the last couple of years. And I've been having horrible, horrible, horrible periods. Like when I tell you I've been, the periods, like I have to wear a legit diaper, like a diaper and a tampon in a pad, like it's bad, like bad. Okay. And I have been bounced around from woman to woman, to woman, to woman doctor. And I finally ended back up at my OB And I was just like in a place where I was like, please, I just desire for you to give me answers because I'm at my wits end and I don't know what to do. And I'm, you know, I have a fucking team, right? Like I got my healers and I'm eating a certain way and I'm not having too much caffeine. And I go to my acupuncturist and I go to my chiropractor and my massage therapist and like all this shit because I want to do things as holistically as possible. And I finally went back to her and I was like, I can't live like this anymore. Like I cannot live like this anymore. And she said, well, here's your options. Number one, we put you on birth control. If that doesn't work, we put you on an IUD. If that doesn't work, we do an ablation. And if that doesn't work, a full hysterectomy, partial hysterectomy, she says, I'll let you keep your ovaries. I'll let you keep, you'll, you will let me keep my fucking ovaries, bitch. Really? Oh, and we're just made to feel by other women that we're fucking losing our minds that like, you know, so many doctors have said to me, well, Katie, you know, this is just what happens when we get older and this is like totally normal. And you know, like your hormone, your AMH, your um, anti-malarian hormone is very low. And this is just like premenopausal. And you know, if you want to have a baby, like you're rich, you can, you can have a surrogate. You can do this. You can adopt. And I'm like, I don't want to fucking hear this from you. I did not ask you any of this. I want to stop passing fucking clots out of my vag, the size of Manhattan. That would be a good start. And then they just tell you that you're getting older and that you're crazy. Or sometimes they'll say to you, like, maybe you should go see a therapist. And I'm like, I'm not crazy. My body is changing. And you're a fucking doctor who specializes in this. You you can't help me? I, I mean, like, fuck. I don't know if you out there who's listening has ever gone through any of this medical gaslighting, but it's even harder when it's a woman 
doing this to another woman, right? Um, this is also shows up in a sister when, when a woman covets your man or tries to steal your man. I have had women who are very close friends with me be fucking my boyfriends behind my back. I've had women who I loved deeply and helped do all these amazing things in their lives. And they were like banging my boyfriend the whole time and actually ended up marrying him and had kids with him. That didn't work out too well. Because when you base your relationship on doing stuff like that to another woman, it never ends in your favor. It just doesn't. And if it does, if you don't end up in divorce, it's not going to be a happy marriage. I'm sorry. It just doesn't because it's energy. And that's how it also shows up. You could, um, be competing for, for competing with women for a job, right? You'd be, be like stabbing the other one in the back, like trying to climb the, the corporate ladder, right? It's also when you talk shit about other women and you say like, oh, she, who does she think she is? She's just too much. She is just too fucking much, right? This is the sister wound. <clears throat> this is how it shows up in our everyday lives today, right? So what we have to do going forward is we have to reclaim and remember what has been taking, taken from us. And healing the sister wound is the only way that we can reclaim our power, not only singularly, but collectively. And that we can make sure that our granddaughters and our daughters and our great granddaughters and so on and so forth, they don't have to keep dragging this wound through space and time over millennia like we have. It's time to reclaim our power. It's time to reclaim our magic. And it's time to reclaim and remember our phenomena. It is. So healing the sister wound is also the last thing that the toxic masculine and the toxic patriarchy wants us to focus on, right? We're not spending the time focusing on our up-levelment. We're spending our time focusing on fighting each other, right? And when we're not spending any energy fighting the system of oppression that's been hurting us all, and we're putting each other down, and we simultaneously hold up this system, we also put down a part of ourselves, and we are all similar in so many ways. And when we insult one woman, we are insulting all women. And we reinforce our own disempowerment. If we lift each other up and we support each other and we value each other, we can help each other reclaim our power. We can help each other remember who the fuck we were before all this trauma and all this wounding and all this toxicity took over our lives and our feminine energies. The patriarchal system we live in works to keep women away from being part of leading institutions, companies, right? And the systems that make the actual fucking changes. And in order to claim our power, we must live our lives as an act of rebellion against the toxic masculine patriarchy. We must heal the sister wound. So how, how do we heal the sister wound? So remember, any kind of wound thrives in darkness and it thrives in isolation. 
The sister wound convinces you that you need to operate alone. It convinces you that other women can't be trusted. It tricks you into thinking that other women will shame you and they'll judge you. And we live in a culture that reinforces all of these beliefs. And you need only to listen in on conversations at our workplaces or our happy hours to notice how prevalent and embedded this weapon is in our lives. And to heal it, we must step into our light. First of all, we heal the sister wound by acknowledging that it exists in the first place, right? And we want to say, I don't do that, or I'm used to, I used to do those types of things when I was younger, but I grew out of it. And the power comes from saying, I do do that, and I don't want to do it anymore. We can put down our weapons, and we can confront it with other women. Notice that I just didn't say, confront other women. We can confront it, the, pa- the, the toxic patriarchy, the shadow, the shame, the guilt, the blame with other women. It is us against it. We work in community to heal one another, to cheer each other on, and to take off our masks. And listen, anytime that you say, we have to, it's a war on the patriarchy, you're giving it way too much fucking energy. This is not a war on the patriarchy. This is just shining our own light as healed women so that those constructs and those narratives and those like structures in general, just start to crumble and fall down on their own. And you see it, you see it all around us happening now, but we have a lot more work to do. And by seeing another woman and seeing, seeing her insecurities and sitting in vulnerability together, amazing things can happen. By sitting in circle, by sitting in ceremony, by being a part of a a community, like a bitch's academy, like our goddess gatherings, like bitch palooza, like the things that we do in the ambitious world, or in a community that's near and dear to your heart that you feel comfortable with. And we really sit in that place and we own the parts of ourselves that carries this wound. So here's just some ways that I came up with that, that are helping me heal my sister wound right? So number one is speak to women outside of your friend circle. It's really easy to get like super comfy, cozy with like the three girls that you hang out with and like talk shit about everyone with all the time. But it's a lot more energy to have conversation with women's of different ages, different races, different ethnicities, different beliefs, different religious backgrounds, different spiritual ideology. It just opens your mind. And then you, the more people that you know that are different from you, the more that you can be like less judgmental and really heal that wound, right? The next one is to collaborate with other women. For years, okay, when I was the official coach for Miss Universe and Miss USA and, and Miss America, I would, I hated bringing other women into the fold with me because I'm like, well, what if they steal my clients? What if the girls like this girl better than me? Da 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 da. da. And I realized that the longer I did that, the more it was actually keeping me small. And now that I have a team and I have like pretty much an all women team, except like I have two men that work with me who I adore, uh, I have grown exponentially because I'm like, you know, I can't do it all. 
And there's a seat for every ass. And there's people out there that desire to do the things that I don't want to do. And that's how you level up. Uh, it's also in collaboration. You know, I've been having some guests on the podcast. Like when Amanda Greco came on my podcast, like what I desire for her is like, I want to see her business grow from being on the podcast. I want to see my clients going to Amanda because she's the best. I want her story to inspire and, and motivate and empower other women. I'm not like, oh, I don't want to have people on my fucking podcast because then it's like less for me, more for them. No, because I don't live in scarcity. I don't live in lack. I know because it's a universal law that there's more than enough to go around. Same thing when I had Jen Bradford on my podcast or I've had other women on my podcast in the past, right? Before Corona. I love sending clients to Jen Bradford because she doesn't, I don't do what she does and she doesn't do what I do. So like if my clients can be helped by Jen, what do I fucking care for? I want her to be wealthy. I want her to be abundant. And and for all the women in, in Bitches Academy, for all the women that I business coach and do mentorship with, for all the women that I do VIB, very important bitch days, I desire deeply in my cells of my very being for them to all be rich and happy and joyful and be living out loud because it's our birthright to do so. And thousands of years ago, our kind did live like that. And then the toxic masculine came in to control us and we allowed it. So collaborate and network with other women and, and let that like lack mentality and that scarcity mindset go. Sit in goddess gatherings. You know, we have goddess gatherings at Katie Boyd's Misfit Club. We, we're going to have um, a three-day event in January of 2023 called Bitchapalooza. We do dinners together. You know, we do all of these amazing things together, like sit in circles with other women, have book clubs, you know, do wine and movie nights, go out to dinner with your friends and don't gossip about other women. Talk about shit that actually matters, like, you know, health and, and wellness and money and, and joy and all that, right? This is a really good one. You could just do it today. This is so easy apologize to a sister, a mother, a childhood friend, or even a college roommate that maybe you hurt or that you wounded. Because every time that we say we're sorry and we acknowledge, we heal a part of ourselves that's been lost. We, we bring back a part of our soul that's been, you know, out there. I mean, you easily, I could think of 20 people right now off the top of my head that I could call and apologize to for doing really horrible fucking shit. The next thing is, you know, own your own wounds. Like admit you have a problem. It's like going to Alcoholics Anonymous, right? You're like walk into AA and you're like, hi, I'm Tony. I'm an alcoholic. And everyone's like, hi, Tony. And that's the first step in, in your recovery to admit you have the problem. So own that shit. Hold the mirror up to your face and say like, yeah, I, I'm wounded and I have wounded. And I'm ready to make amends and I'm ready to heal not only myself, so my sovereign self, but I'm also here to help heal the collective feminine. The next is to own your femininity. I have been feeling this fucking call. It's so deep and I'm, and I'm starting to show up like this and I don't give a fuck who cares and likes it. They can literally like, like I always say, if you're listening to this podcast, you don't like what I have to say or you don't like how I'm showing up. Don't fucking listen. I don't give a fuck, you know? You're, you're, you're never going to fucking work with me anyway. So why do I give a flying fuck, right? 
my desire is to show up. I want to be in cat. I want to be in like long moo's with my hair just wild, with a turban around my head, with beautiful jewelry on. And that's how I want to walk in this world. I don't want to wear my Lululemon tight fucking clothes anymore. I don't want to wear skin tight shit that makes me fart. Like the other night I was wearing like these Spanx um, leggings and the whole night, I swear to God, like all these farts were going off in my stomach. I don't know if I'm the only one that this ever happens to you. And I'm not even a gassy person, but it was like, pew, 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 like in my stomach because my fucking pants were like crushing my organs, <laughs> right? Why are we doing this? Like when we look in the mirror, we're like, oh yeah, I like it. No, I do it because I want to look sexy for my husband. But guess what? I could wear a fucking bath towel and my husband would think I was hot. Right. So what the fuck do I care for um, to impress the patriarchy to show him how tight my butthole is? Right. No. And I'm not. Listen, if you like to dress in tight clothing and you like to fart in your own pants, like God bless. But I'm just telling you that spirit is calling me to show up as like this divine feminine mother going into this crone energy to be the high priestess, to be the medicine woman, to be like the white haired witch that is like healing her community and is making the tonics and is making and casting the spells and healing the people that need healing. Like that's the energy that I'm bringing to the table. So just like, watch me, watch, watch what happens. The next one is to mentor young ladies. I don't care how old you are. I have an amazing client. Her name is Kayla Crawford and she's this incredible cheer coach. And she always is, she's an ambitious academy and she always is asking the other girls and myself, like, how could I show up better for the women, you know, the young women that I teach? Like I made an awesome, um, ambitious anthems playlist on Spotify. And she's like, oh my God, I'm going to use this for my cheer. Or like, I'm going to use this song from Queen Herbie to like get the girls pumped up. Cause it's like super motivational. It's inspirational. It's like all these things. I'm like, this is amazing. And she's a young woman, but I've always mentored younger people. And that's just been in my blood. I don't know where that comes from, but that's just who I've always been. And I still, I still get, you know, girls that reach out to me 20 years later and said, like, if it wasn't for you coaching me for Miss USA, I wouldn't be who I am today. If it wasn't for you coaching me for Miss Teen USA, I wouldn't be who I am today or Miss America. And like, that is when you know that all of your hard work is paying off. So mentor younger women, even if it's just like bringing, you know, a niece or your child or your daughter out for like coffee or like lunch and just talking to them about life and, you know, just planting those seeds in their minds to be powerful. Like that's huge. You guys, huge, 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 huge. The next one is speak to your elders, speak to other women in your community that are your elders and ask them their opinions on things. Like in Ambitious Academy, we have women of all different ages and like the younger ones will say like, well, what would you do with your kid? Or what would you do with your husband? Or what would you do with your job? Or it's, and they all give the best fucking feedback and then they give the best advice. And I'm like, oh my God, it makes my fucking heart sing. Cause I'm like, this is what I have worked so hard in my life to create, to create this incredible bitchterhood with women of all, you know, ages, walks of life that can be the elders and to be the mentees and to be the mentors, right? So speak to your elders. Just because someone's old doesn't mean they're dumb. Like 
we used to revere and covet our elders and our tribes and our communities. And now we're like, oh, look at granny. Isn't she cute? Let's put her in the home. No. Do you know how much fucking wisdom? Do you know how much knowledge is in that side of that woman's vessel in her crone age? Oh my God, guys, if you even knew. So speak to your elders, ask them questions. They want to impart their wisdom. It's part of being a woman. It's like a natural thing to want to impart your wisdom and all of the, um, all of the knowledge that you've accrued over your years on this earth. Like speak to your elders and last but not least, and this is one of the hardest things that I've had to do. And I continue to keep opening myself up to it. And let me tell you, like it's hard, but start trusting other women and start trusting yourselves and make a place at the table for each and every one of those women. Make a place. Trust yourself. Even if it's hard to trust yourself, even if it's hard to trust other women, do it. Do it. So I want to finish this podcast today just by giving you some journal prompts for you to work on over the next week or so or a couple weeks of your life to help you start really bringing that sister wound up to the surface, almost like a pimple, right? Like bring that shit up to a head so it can fester and it can kind of come to that white head and then you can, you know, pop it. Unless there's a pop your pimples, I mean, it's going to fucking kill me. But so you can, you know, start to heal that wound, right? Okay. So if you don't have a journal out now, if you're not taking notes, you know, stop the podcast, go get a journal, go get a piece of paper and take these notes and start doing these journal prompts. And this is shadow work. Okay. So the first question here is, what are my current beliefs around my sisterhood? Do I believe it is safe or unsafe to be in a relationship with a woman? Do I believe that it is safe or unsafe to be seen? Do I believe that it is safe or unsafe to be witnessed by other women? So this is the next kind of round of questions. Is there a story or limiting belief that you've been telling yourself where you are giving away your power to someone else? And that obviously that someone else is a woman. How can you take back that responsibility now? The next question here is, how can you take responsibility for all parts of your life? The next question is, what is your ideal relationship in a sisterhood? The next question is, what boundaries do I need to put in place around women? The next question is, what am I actually looking for in a sisterhood? And the last question here for your journal prompts for your shadow work about healing the sister wound is talk about, so you're going to write about, so tell yourself, tell yourself about your ideal sisterhood experience. So do that work. This is huge. I do a ton of the shadow work in my ambitious Academy. It so, so, so helps like I know that you're like, oh my God, Katie, just extra shit to do. No, it's not extra shit to do. This is the shit to do. 
Because when we heal ourselves, we collectively heal the sisterhood that is alive now on Mother Earth and that has been alive and that will be alive in the near future. Thank you guys so much for showing up here week after week after week and just loving this podcast. You guys write the best reviews on iTunes. If you haven't got over there yet, please, please, please get over there. Give us a five-star review and a written review helps even more because the more that I get reviews on this podcast, the more that it shows up in people's, you know, in people's feeds and in their searches and the more women that we can bring into the ambitious movement. Share this with a sister, share this on your Instagram, share this on your Facebook, TikTok, wherever you show up, Twitter, email this to a friend, text this link to a friend, like really be part. If you want to really start healing the sister wound, show up for the ambitious podcast and start really getting it out there because I'm only one human. I may be powerful, but I'm only one human, but together collectively we can move mountains, especially being in our divine healed feminine energy. I love each and every one of you and don't forget to stay ambitious.